Amen. All right, have a seat if you would. Grab your Bibles, go to Nehemiah 3. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm extremely nervous today because God has me outside my comfort zone in what we're about to bring. Um, just to get it started, let's lay a foundation. When, when you read the Bible, don't just go into it like you're reading another story or you're grabbing another book. Look at it. There, there's adventure here. There's symbol here. God never puts anything in there on accident, and there's nothing in there that's wasted. And so when you're reading an Old Testament principle, and we spend a lot of times in the Old Testament here lately, um, which I think a lot of times in our modern society gets overlooked, but what we don't realize is the Old Testament was to give us living example of what we experience in real time today. Um, how many of you ever feel like your world can go upside down in a minute? Anybody feel like that at times? How many of you can be pro-God and live against God in your lifetime, in a, in a week's time, in a, in a day or two? How many of you can ever do that? How many of you can have strong faith to no faith in a split second? Yeah, and you say, well, not me. Well, okay, you get the phone call today that you got an incurable disease. Where would your faith be? You get the phone call today, somebody you love is going, where would your faith be? Now, I, I, I think what the Old Testament does is shows how God is still present with imperfect people and how God is still moving with imperfect people. And so I, I want to I give you this, all right? There's certain passages of Scripture that, if you will allow it, will take you on an adventure. We were talking with our elders just this past uh, Wednesday in our elders meeting, and our elders meeting got hijacked with biblical talk, all right? Now, that's a good thing, all right? And so as we were speaking, we started talking about things that we see in the Bible, things that we see coming up in our society that's pointing to the return of Jesus Christ. And, and I told them, I've got two little adventures in the Bible that I take. I'm not going to tell them to you because I don't want to get you off track, but there's two stories in the Bible that I'm still chasing, and, and it just gets me excited. Uh, maybe you could call it a nerd out. I don't know what you want to call it, but um, today I'm going to take you into literally how my mind works as I'm seeking God and looking in the Word of God, and as God was popping out some things in chapter number three, which oftentimes in the Nehemiah story is skipped. I, I rarely have heard a message, if ever, from Nehemiah three, because Nehemiah three is where they actually did the work. Here's what I've learned in my life. I like to talk about the plan. I like to talk about the dream and I like the results. I don't like the in between those two where you actually have to put the work in. People talk about all the time the, the diet or the recovery or the change in their life. They like the result of what that would be, uh, fitting into something that they want to fit into, being somebody that they want to be, becoming something that they're not. They love the end result. They love the idea, but they don't like what it takes to actually get there. And I think in our world, we're raising a generation, if we're not careful, and when I say generation, I'm not talking about our teenagers, I'm talking about us, all right? Let's talk about we as adults, teenagers. You're in the generation that you're in, but it's true in yours as well, to where we, we are really wanting somebody to give us something we did not earn. And I'm gonna tell you this right now, the only person in your life that will ever consistently do that is God. He'll give you mercy and grace that you did not earn, salvation that you did not earn, but the world is not gonna just hand you things, all right? Does that make sense? How many of you have learned that to be true? There are not true handouts. You say, well, what about this program and this program? It's not a handout. It is literally a bondage, a chain, a ball and chain, if you would. It's like, I'm not, let's put it in your notes, ready? The government doesn't give you anything for free, all right? Does that make sense? So you're gonna get, people don't give you things for free. If somebody comes over, it's like that little person that always stands in the food court of the mall. Y'all know who I'm talking about, right? You're walking past the, the Asian food or the, the Chinese food, and there's always somebody standing there with bourbon chicken. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? And they're always like, free food, free food. It ain't free. They know if you take a bite, you will be ordering a plate. Right. And, and so it's, it's a, it's a, I want something back. So I'll act like I'm giving you something. How many of you love these sales? The buy one, get one. It truly is it. 
if you saw the markups, the markup margin is that they made a profit on the one. They didn't need to make a profit on the other. So getting you in the door with a buy one, get one is how they get your money. Y'all got that? You with me? Is everybody listening to me? All right, because just I, I, my wife sent me a video that was hilarious the other day where a lady was saying, if it's 50% off, that means I made money. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute. You know, and they go through this whole thing. It's 50% off, so I made money. It's a deal because if I bought it at full price and that, so if I got two, then I equally got it at one price. And how many of you kind of see that sometimes in your life? Garrett's like pointing out Sue. Sue's got her elbow up. She's ready. Give him one, Sue. All right, but the thing is, it's like we, we, we draw in. I want you to understand something like God wants to bring you into a deeper relationship with him. And, and in order for you to get into a deeper, more meaningful relationship with him, you've got to stop reading the word of God as if you're just trying to get through a chapter and you've got to actually start diving into what's going on there. What is God actually doing and what is actually happening? There's three things we're going to answer questions to in this passage that are really cool. So when I was reading this and I read it through, uh, I'm going to give you this real quick, right? Um, when, when you're studying the Word of God, you should be asking yourself four questions. I give this every now and then so that you can study. Number one, you need to read what it says, right? So uh, what does the Bible actually say? Just read it. That's observation, right? I'm just looking at it. I'm going to read through the chapter. I'm not going to try to figure anything out. I'm just going to read the story. I'm going to observe it, and then I'm going to go back. So read it. The next thing you do is, is you start asking God for like inspiration. What does this mean, all right? What does it say? What does it mean? That's God, give me inspiration. Give me, give me some revelation. Now, I want you to write this down. The Bible does not mean what it says. It means what it means. I've heard people say all the time, the Bible means what it says. No, 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 get off of that because the Bible speaks in analogies sometimes, parables sometimes, which are stories to prove a point. It preaches in metaphors sometimes. It's not always it means what it means because if you're reading the story of the farmer planted seed, you're like, well, I'm not a farmer. If it means what it says, then it's talking to farmers, but that's not the case. It's talking to all of us on certain areas of our life that fields need plowed, seeds need planted, water needs to be put into the soil, nurturing needs to be done because a harvest is growing. And that could be the area of your need, whether it's financially, emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally. How many of you got it? Say got it. Got it. All right. Then you say, where, where in the Bible does it correspond? So what, what other parts of the Bible talk about this? So what does it say? What does it mean? What, where can I find it ever, anywhere else in the Bible? So write this down. The greatest commentary to the Bible, a commentary is typically a book that is written to describe the Bible. It's written by a man or a woman, and it's their opinion of what the Bible says. It is not the Bible. It is their opinion, their interpretation of the Bible. And a lot of people are interpreting the Bible through commentary, and that's a problem. Because my, my opinion can be flawed. My, my, my reading of the word of God can't get messed up. There's been many times I've had to stand on the stage and say, hey, I got this wrong. Let's correct this because as I studied this or somebody gave me some scripture, somebody gave me some correlation in other parts of the Bible that make me realize that this isn't the right belief and I've got to correct this because I don't always get it right. Anybody say me too in the place today? Especially, listen, I can't even understand sometimes when you're telling me something, I oftentimes misread it because I'm listening through my feelings, experience, and emotions, all right? And so if I'm having a bad day and you're telling me how good God is, I might be sitting there thinking that you're being a jerk because you know that I'm not doing the best today. And the truth is you could just be testifying, but my feelings say, ooh, they're being sarcastic, right? Come on now. How many of you misunderstand your husband and wife? You don't want to raise your hand because you don't want another misunderstanding, all right? You know, how many of you misunderstand your kids sometimes? Yeah, 
I, I don't know what it is, but the older I get, and I think it's because when, when we're praising and worshiping, I have my in-ears in, and I'm a jammer. Anybody else jam? I don't listen to music often, but when I do listen to music, I like to, I like to tone in. So my ears are really loud, and so now I'm having a hard time hearing anything, all right? And I'm, I'm constantly saying, what'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? Some of that's attention span. Some of that's focus. Some of that's an inability to listen, but we're going to blame it on hearing, all right? So um, the thing is, is we misunderstand, and you can do that in the Bible, but the Bible never contradicts itself. What's in the Old Testament's also in the New. What's in the New Testament's also in the Old. If I go in the Old Testament and read a story, I can find a New Testament truth that that story was pointing to. Do you understand? And then the last thing and the most important thing is how does this apply to me? All right, four questions. What does it say? What does it mean? Where else in the Bible can I find this? And how does this apply to my life? You got it? Say got it. All right, you need to take those into everything. So when I'm reading and I'm doing my observation, I read through. Then I go back and I'll read through again and I'll start noticing trends. So I I got with Garrett. Garrett meets with me every Sunday morning, prays with me in my office before we come out here. It's sometimes why we're late getting to the stage and and that's okay. Um, But the thing is, is as he was leaving today, I never tell people what I'm gonna speak on, but I said, hey, I'm out of my comfort zone today and I'm gonna speak on and in a way that I normally don't. I'm going to take you into the adventure that God takes us on. So here it is. Ready? In this passage, and I'm not going to read the whole passage of of Nehemiah chapter number three. I want you to just really get the first verse, and then we're going to jump through. So get your pens ready. Ready? It says, the high priest and the other priest started to rebuild what? Say it with me. The sheep gate. You got it? All right, so they started to rebuild the sheep gate. Skip to the very last verse, all right? Sorry about that, Casey, verse number 32. And in verse 32, it says, the other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from that corner to what? All right, so I always get curious when it starts and ends in the same point. All right, so they started construction at this gate. They end construction at this gate. There's a reason. And so I'm starting to think in my mind, hey, why is, this, why is this circular? And I want you to get this truth that you'll see in the Bible. We in our lives, and I was saying this to somebody else the other day, we believe our life to be a timeline, right? Like I was born and then way over here, I don't want to run too fast, I'll get out of breath. I die. And everything that happens in between there is my life timeline, right? How many of you have seen those where it's beginning and end? But I believe, and I've learned to believe, and Phil, who uh, has moved away, but is a very big Bible studier, had, had helped me see this, that in the Bible, everything ends where it started. So in the beginning, who? God. And the very last verses, and he will reign and reign forever and ever. Amen. It started with God. It ends where? With God. All right, so if it starts, and then he goes on and he uses language like this. I am alpha and what? I'm beginning and what? The first and, all right, in the Old Testament, Adam comes into the world as the first man. In the New Testament, Jesus comes back in to become the man that Adam should have been. And by becoming the man that he should have been, Paul calls him the second Adam. And so understand that where it started is where God's gonna bring it back. Here's the cool thing. The, the, the life that God has given you was born in the imagination in the mind of God. The Bible says in Jeremiah that before you were even in your mother's womb, I chose you to be the prophet to my generation, my nations. In other words, where does conception begin? In the mind and plan of God. Isn't that a cool thing? 
So next time you come and talk with somebody who has a baby coming and they're not married and they're scared to death, tell them, hey, this baby began in the mind of God. You might've just got it here a little bit early, but God has a plan and a purpose for this child. There's never been breath hit anybody's lungs that God did not have an intention for that life to accomplish something in the world today. Do you got it? Say got it. All right, so understand that in the, in the garden, we find a tree of life, that if you eat it, you live forever. That that tree had to be taken out because man messed it up. In heaven, you find again, guess what? The tree of life. Because that's the place God wants you to live forever. And in the garden, he looks at Adam and Eve and he says, hey, I don't want you to eat of this in the condition you're in because if you do, you will live sinful and broken forever. So he removed them in an act of mercy from the garden so that they wouldn't get stuck in their flaw. He uprooted the tree, plants it in heaven, and heaven and Eden interpret to be the same meaning, the spot of God. And so where it started, it ends. That's not a timeline, that's circular. That, hey, you gotta understand this. In the Old Testament, we see circles, don't we? We see love God, follow God, get your eyes off God, serve idols, get captive, broken, return to God. I'm gonna tell you this right now. Stop looking at your line as where you're going and realize that your entire life, God is trying to bring you back to the original intent for you, and that is a relationship with him. And so when we start chapter number three, it starts with Sheepgate. When we end it, it ends with Sheepgate. So let me tell you a little bit about the Sheepgate. Write this down. I went on this study and this tangent started looking at it. Multiple times do you find the Sheepgate used in the Bible. Can I give you some of the illustrations? In John chapter number five, you find Jesus show up and look at a guy and say, do you want to be made whole? He said, for years, decades, I have been sitting by this pool waiting for someone to help me to get into the water. And Jesus looked at him and says, do you want to get better? The pool of Bethesda where the broken and the hurting and the ill and the crippled lived, guess where it was? By the sheep gate. When Jesus came in and out of Jerusalem, he oftentimes used the sheep gate. Matter of fact, on his way to the crucifixion, he went out through the sheep gate to where they would crucify him. And I'm looking at all these things and seeing it come together. And then all of a sudden hearing him declare in John chapter number 10 that he says, I am the gate. And if the sheep want to get to the father, they got to come through me. And I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, the sheep gate has a huge meaning. And the truth is it was used for bringing all the sacrifices to the temple. The only purpose of this gate was to bring all the sheep and anything in that would go in to pay the payment for sin, to cover. In other words, it's like this, ready? The sheep gate has always been about salvation. It has always been about the relationship with God and being returned to God. And so in the beginning, when they go to rebuild the walls, they start where it matters. And that means this, and I want you to get it. Your life starts and ends. Your faith begins. He's the author and the finisher. It has to start with Jesus to end with Jesus. And without Jesus, you are messed up. Absent the sheep gate, they are lost and broken, crippled and wounded. But because of Christ coming into our lives, because of Christ taking a sacrifice for our lives because he became the sheep gate we can get to God and as a result of that today the message that they are sending in chapter three is this you have got to start with Jesus if you're building your life today 
If you're trying to build your faith, you're trying to build your relationship, you're trying to build your hopes, your dreams, your future. Christ, it ends with Christ. If you're starting any other way, ending any other way, you're in trouble. I want you to write this down because another phrase that kind of comes up two or three times in the rest of the chapter is when they're building the other gates, it says this, they laid the beams, they, they installed the bolts, they set the bars. In other words, hey, we are bolting it up. We are, we're, we're, we're making sure this is sure. There's two symbols of this and I want you to get the first one right off the bat. The sheep gate had no bolts, had no bars, had no beams. The sheep gate has nothing that holds anything back. And I'm telling you this right now. I'm tired of hearing in our world that you have to be a certain person for God to accept you, that you have to be in a certain standing for God's grace and mercy to reach you, that you have to be in a certain position for God's blessings to find you. The truth is this. There are no bolts. There are no bars. There are no holdbacks. There's no chains. There's no bondage. It is not if you're perfect. It is not if you've got it all together. God is not in the church today walking back and forth trying to figure out who knows the most about the Bible today. God is walking back seeking who wants to know him, seeking who wants to have a relationship with him. He's knocking on the heart's door of believers. He's calling out the unbeliever. He's raising up the sinner. He's healing the sick. He's curing the hurt. He's wanting to minister to the needs of everybody. And there's no barriers in between who's allowed and who's not allowed. God loves you all. He loves us the same. He loves us equally. And in heaven, there's no favorites. There is no holding back when it comes to the sheep gate. Anybody can come through. Anybody can get what they need. And today, no matter how good you are, how bad you are, how lost you are, how found you are. God is interested in you and a relationship with you today and will take you just as you are. But the other part of that is this, and you'll see this, and I'll give you a couple references real quick. You see in, in verse number six, in verse number three, in verse number uh, 13, and, 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 and then you see in the verse number 14, where it talks about them setting the bars, setting the beams, installing the bolts, doing all these things. I want you to understand this, and this is point number two that God led me to, is not only do we all have access, it starts and begins with Jesus, but number two, you shouldn't do it halfway. I think in our world today that we... Um, we, we like to do things as quickly as possible, as easy as possible, and as inexpensive as possible. And, and by doing that, sometimes we take shortcuts. How many of you ever had the family member that knew how to drive that loved to take shortcuts? Now we're talking pre-GPS, all right? Anybody remember the good old days of traveling with your family with a good old map? Your mom's in the passenger seat saying, take the blue road. Your dad's screaming because the blue road's a river, Right? <laughs> Yeah, you're trying to figure out where you're going. How many of you remember these days? Come on now, all right? Yeah, children, be glad you don't live in this day. All right, it was a very hard time to travel with your family. I remember my grandpa one day, we went, me, him, and my grandmother went to New York City. My grandpa gave us a message on the whole way there of how sinful the city was, and he didn't even want to go. We spent four hours driving around in the city looking for the Statue of Liberty. And although I saw it four different times and pointed it out in the back window saying, hey, it is that way, he kept driving. And then he said, oh, I know a shortcut. Next thing you know, four hours later, we're in Connecticut. <laughs> True story. And people always said, have you been to New York City? Yes, I have a disposable camera full of pictures that I took and every picture has a bug or a smug on it because I had to take it through a window. He wouldn't stop, but he knew a shortcut. How many of you have ever taken a shortcut in life? You wanted to get ahead. You wanted to feel happy. You needed an emotional need met. You needed something done in your life. And so guess what you did? You turned to something that didn't lead you the right way. Anybody ever been there? 
How many of you have said there's certain years of your life that if you could go back and redo, you would live totally different because if you're not careful, you would say they're wasted, but they're not necessarily wasted as much as you were at the school of hard knocks trying to get, God was getting your attention and teaching you lessons. And how many of you say a lot of lessons I wish I'd have learned from books instead of real life? Yes. You know what? I love that statement. If he's going to set beans and set bars and set bolts, you know what they're saying is we're building in a hurry, but we're not building halfway. We're not just going to do it to get by. We're going to make sure this is sound. Can I tell you why you shouldn't go halfway? Write these down real quick. Number one, going halfway leads people to vulnerability. It leaves people exposed. You know, I think this, we can't halfway parent. We got to be all in. And parenting is exhausting. Somebody give me an amen on that, right? Not just physically, but what about emotionally? How many of you, how many of you lose sleep over your babies? And how many of you got babies that are 30 and 40 years old and you lose sleep over your babies? Right? Yeah. I mean, parenting's exhausting, but you can't do it halfway. I mean, you, you, you can't just be a part-time believer. You can't just do this. I mean, it, it, it's like training an athlete. If they just go halfway, they'll never make it far. Anybody can play rec league ball. Anybody can play pickup ball, but it takes somebody who is willing to be something to actually be on a team that's organized and traveling and going. And, and, and what does that mean? They got to have dedication beyond it. My coach used to say this, teams are made in a season, players are made in an off season. You don't become a superstar player in the middle of a season. You become a, Dusty, you're a coach. You become a superstar when you're doing the things in the off season that nobody else is doing. When you're saying no to the donut that everybody else is eating. You, 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 listen, in your faith, you don't become a superstar by going to church. You don't become a superstar by going to your small group. You, you become strong in your faith by what you're doing when it's not Sunday and it's not Wednesday night. You become strong in your faith by saying, I'm not going to build this halfway. Let's set some beams. Let's set some bolts. Let's put some bars up. You have an enemy that's going to try to get in. One of the things that I thought that might have drove this verse to be repetitive in this chapter is the fact that the reason they're having to rebuild the walls is because the walls got torn down in the first place. They're coming from a place of captivity. Can I tell you this right now? Number two, I want you to get this. If you have ever been in a place where you need to recover, which is every single one of you in the room, whether it's from hurts or hangups or habits, you've got to recover at some point. When you are rebuilding your life, strike that, let's rewind, I said that wrong. When you are letting God rebuild your life and following God, then you got to make sure that you take the time to do it the right way. Set some boundaries, put some things in place that didn't used to be there, get some transparency and get going. When I'm sitting with a husband and he tells me she wants to know everywhere I'm going. She wants to know everything I'm doing. She wants to see my phone constantly and it gets on my nerves. My question is, why does that bother you? You say, well, you know, I, I deserve, she needs to trust me. No, if you wanted her to trust you, you should have never broke the trust. If you don't like the recovery, don't stumble. But if you stumble, there should be no problem with saying, hey, here, baby, take it all. Look at it. I got nothing to hide. Rebuild in a way. And by the way, if you have had those insecurities and had had those trusts broken, then my suggestion right here from the stage is get totally transparent. Here it is, everything. What do you need? You need my passwords. You got it. You, 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 you want to carry my phone for a day? Go for it. And you can plan the day. Don't tell me when it's coming. Just grab it. It's yours. By the way, answer it and do all the work too. It's yours. You can have it, right? You say, well, I don't want to. Hey, wait a minute. Let's not build the walls the same way we did last time. They got knocked down. Let's not build the gates the same way we did last time. 
Grace Community Church has been in a rebuilding phase for the past three years. We've seen God do some great things. In a minute, we'll celebrate and baptize some who have made their decision in God. But one of the things that we do now is it's a little bit different. There are some barriers that are in place. There are some things that are there that didn't used to be there. I can't go to the bathroom without Tim Bates calling my name. Tim Bates is a security guard that's oftentimes assigned to me. And as I go, literally, I was in there praying with Garrett today. Garrett, true story. All of a sudden, I, somebody walks in the building. Josh, are you in here? Am I right? I'm, like, I'm in here, Tim. Okay, clicked. There he is right now, creeping outside the door. <laughs> I can't move without that guy. And you know what? That's okay. Number one, not only does it protect me if there's a threat against, or not only does it protect me if there's harm to come against, but it also protects me from me and stupidity. And seeing things that I don't see, he can see. I'm focused here, he can see there. I'm telling you this right now. Two going back to back can conquer. And sometimes if you've had a weakness in your life, you need somebody else that knows the weakness to be in life with you. That knows the plan. How many of you say, I got this? Set the bars. Set the beams. Set the bolts. No halfway. You know, when we uh, look at different programs and different things, we're in a building project, which right now we could rush and get done. We could halfway, we could shortcut. You know, hey, let's save money by doing this and not doing this. Nope, not going to happen. I don't care how long it takes. It's going to be built right. It's going to be solid and it's going to be safe. It's going to be secure. And we're going to do it to the excellency of God, not to a substandard of man. Do you understand this? Why? Because if I want God to be able to do what God wants to do, then I've got to trust God to do it in his way, his time and his plan. Now, my way, my time, my plan, Tina Barnes's way and time and plan right now would be now. Am I right? That homeschool group is large. We've got a large class in a very small room. Actually, every room in cranny, nook and cranny is used in this thing. I think they're even sticking them in closets. They're really not. They're not putting closets. I shouldn't say that, especially online. All right. They're not. But the truth is this, like I want it, but I don't want to bankrupt a church to get it. I don't want to tie up all our funds to do it. We still want to be able to put groceries in there so people can eat today. We still want to be able to minister to people and help people get through rehabs. We still want to be able to reach out when we can reach out. And so in other words, let's build this right. Let's not build it quick. Let's not build it halfway. Let's do it. Can I tell you this? I want to challenge you. In the ministry that you're called to, do not do it halfway. Eternity in the lives of the people you're ministering to is fully dependent on you being excellent, committed, dedicated, reliable, and putting all effort in. Halfway could send somebody to hell. Not that you would do it, not that you're sending them, but I'm telling you now, I would say this, and this is not talking about church. This is talking about our Christian walk, and I want you to get this. There is nothing more important that you ever accomplish in your life than the testimony you have for God and the gifting of the Holy Spirit that you allow to be used in your life. And if your job gets more of you than the kingdom of God gets, you have put your job in a place of idol and God in the place of back burner. And people's lives will suffer. I've lived in a home that was broken down. I've gone to churches that have shut down. I've been in situation after situation where people have, have, have allowed it to become about us instead of about him. And as a result, seen the devastation that can cause. 
I've chosen actions in my own life that put the lives and people at risk. One of the most damaging things that I have to deal with and listen to and pray about and and, and surrender to the Lord all the time is statements that were made to me of how many people will never go to church again and how many people will go to hell because of what you did. And my statement back is, with God's help, if given another opportunity, we will stand and proclaim God and, and we will make sure that we do not have happen what has already happened, but we spend the rest of our life, living the way we wished we had spent all of our life. And I'm telling you right now, no matter what the past is, the future can be different, but build different than you built before. Don't go halfway. You got it? Say got it. Number three thing that stood out to me is over 35 times in this chapter, you hear a statement that says, and next to him was, and next to them was, And beside him was this. And next to them was this. Matter of fact, I was telling Garrett, have you ever watched like National Treasure? They'll read an article and then the words pop up and you see them in the air. That's literally what happened in my mind in this chapter. Because I realized that from the sheep gate all the way back to the sheep gate, through 10 gates and other things and walls that were built, you find this consistency where the Bible said this person did this and next to them, this person did this and next to them, this person did this. And I immediately got on my knees and I prayed to God and said, help us to be a church or a generation of believers that we serve well where we are, knowing that good and well, the person next to us is serving God and doing the things that he's called to, she's called to. I'm telling you right now, absent community, absent the people next to us, the Bible says as each part, when it talks about the body in Ephesians, as each part does its work, it fitly comes together and it grows in unity and in health and in love. The church of God is not coming alive because we can't trust the people next to us to do the things that God has called us to do. I'm telling you right now, don't let jealousy and envy creep in to your ministry. Don't let it creep into your life. You know, I was talking to my real estate team this past week because in, in, in some, I've got some agents that are high producing and some, and it's ever expanding, some that are struggling to produce and, and others. And I looked at them and I said, hey, the one thing that we're not gonna do here is we're not gonna get jealous of somebody else's success. We're gonna celebrate it. They'll have dry seasons too. But if we get in a mindset that we celebrate each other's win, then what it will do is keep us motivated to work together, keep us motivated to go in the same direction. If we start competing with each other, we might as well close down the team because competing Competing with each other will not help us. One of the things that I see them do is there's a group thread that's going and, and all of a sudden one of them will say, hey, I, I, my, my daughter's sick. I can't make my showing. Can somebody got it? I got it. I go. And without even getting paid, without even taking money, going and showing property and taking their time to make sure that they can stick up for somebody else. And I look at it and I think to myself, God, this is how success happens when it's not all about me, but it's about we because we are about you and not just about ourselves. And at some point of our lives, we've got to understand that you can have a superstar like a Kobe Bryant on a team, but if he doesn't have a team mentality and other players that have a team mentality, superstars will get records, but they won't get trophies. Now he got some. But I'm gonna tell you right now, how many of you have seen the team where this one dude is like, he's slugging in baseball, he's got a high batting average, he's hitting a home run thing, but their team is batting and, and, and losing most of their games. Why? Because one person doesn't get it done, but when we come together, we can get it done. And if the Bible says this later on in this book, they, they accomplished the wall, they finished the wall because the people had a mindset to work. They didn't have a mindset to get ahead. They didn't have a mindset to be known. They didn't have a mindset for a spotlight. They didn't have a mindset for their own gain. 
They had a mindset to get accomplished what needed to be accomplished so that their children and their children's children could be protected. And I'm telling you this now, we need a generation that doesn't want to be loud and proud and seen and known. We need a generation of believers that says, God, help us to set the stone in the wall that'll protect the next generation. And this is the wall you've given me. This is the calling you've given me. I will do it well, knowing that down the road, they're doing it well too. And God help us that it's not this church and this church and this church or this denomination, this denomination, this denomination, but instead it's together today. We're hoping that people are getting saved across Jefferson County, called by the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, raised to new life, walking in his calling, inspired by his word, a living testimony of who God is so that we can see our sons and daughters come to Jesus Christ all across the area. Why? Because we know America's in trouble unless Christians build the walls of God back to protect the generations to come. We are doomed if we are not working together, if we are not in this to accomplish a great work. I'm going to give you two things and I'm done. Can you believe that? Maybe we do adventure time with Josh Moore. Here it is. Look at this. In verse number 10, this stood out. It says, next, Jedediah, son of whoever that is, repaired the wall across from his house. That statement got me big. Everybody else except this guy and the priest at the end. In verse number 22, the next repairs were made by the priest from the surrounding region. You know, everybody but these people, and you keep reading, they're repairing the walls, and we know that they're repairing the walls. But this guy says, you know, I know I need my own house, but it's not just about building my house. It's about protecting your house, too. And I'm going to tell you this, what would happen in our society if believers would say, I'm going to take the calling God has given me. That, that, by the way, the, that calling definitely fits into your work. It definitely fits in where you go to school. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good person, a good woman are ordered by the Lord. It definitely fits into where you are. But what would happen if we say, okay, you know what? I'm in ninth grade in the academy at Jefferson County High School. I'm going to build my wall here. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm working, feeding the students. I'm, 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 I'm a teacher. Hey, I own a business. I'm a coach. Hey, I, 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 I work here at the church. Oh, I, I work in recovery programs. Oh, I go to this high school, that high school. What if instead of us looking around saying, well, why do they get a spotlight and I want that stage? Why don't we look at the stage and platform God has given us and say, hey, this isn't just about me. Hey, I want my home to know the Lord. I want my children to know the Lord, but I can't get so caught up in my home that I forget that there needs to be a wall for others too. And I love that this man says, I'll build my house, but I'll build a wall because it's not just about building our houses. And I'm telling you this right now, I hear people use their families as excuses of why they can't serve God. Now, I've also seen where people use service as an excuse to not be a family. And that's a problem too. The reality is this, it cannot be about, oh, what can I bring in? Sometimes it's got to be about, what can I take out? 
And this guy's looking around and he's seeing all these things going. They're setting bars. They're setting beams. They're installing bolts. They got the sheep gate and they're working all the way around back to the sheep gate. They're starting with Christ, ending with Christ, bringing people to a knowledge of Christ. And hey, I got to build my house because we need a place to sleep. We need a place to have fun. We need a place to have family. But there's no home without a wall. You know what? I realized this and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be straightforward. Listen, you can't be your kid's best friend all the time. Well, I want them to have fun. That's one thing. I know that. I get that. But you've got to build a wall too. I was talking with one of our parents who just yesterday took their, their, their child to college. And um, they're like, well, I hope they fly the right direction. I was like, well, you pointed them the right direction. You should be pretty confident. Well, what do you mean? The Bible says that our children are quivers. That's an arrow. That's an old word for arrow in our hand. And, 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 and all parenting is, is really just getting that quiver out and teaching the process and pointing them towards God and loading them up. Because at some point, you got to let go. How many of you have felt that hard pain? At some point, guys, they're going to look at you and says, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And you're going to be like, it's got to be somebody other than me because I want to kill him. <laughs> right? At some point, you got 18 years, 18 years to draw that bow. And when you let go, you cannot determine where it lands, but you definitely can set which way it flies. And we need parents that are pointing people to Jesus. Is it okay to be involved in ball? And is it okay to be in beta clubs? Yes. Is it okay to see? Hey, listen, Christians need to be implanted into the world. We don't need to be totally isolated. We got to be out there, but we cannot make those things the main thing we point our children at because at the end of the day, if they're not going to make the NBA, if they're not going to be in the White House or they're not going to do all these other things, then we're pointing them in areas that they're going to hit walls where we should be pointing them in areas that when we let them go, they fly towards Jesus and he lands them where they need to land. And I'm telling you right now, we've got to, in order to do that, sometimes be a parent, not a friend. Sometimes we got to be an accountability partner and not a yes person. Your friends, some of you know, are heading in bad directions. Some of you can see the behaviors of your spouse going in the wrong directions. It's time and love to speak up and say, I love you enough to give you an honest answer and not just to kiss the friendship. Even Bible says it's better to have an honest answer than a kiss of friendship. And sometimes we got to say, hey, you're better than that. Sometimes we got to look at them and say, you got to keep believing. Hey, you haven't been showing up. What's going on? Well, okay, listen. Okay, I get you got a lot going on in your life, but you know where you've been in life, and now you're doing the same things to get you back to where you were. Let's get you back to Jesus. Let's get you set up. Let's get you right, because you're not yourself, and normally that means you're off in your walk with God. You're like, I would never say that to anybody. I'll guarantee you this. You're not going to be in my inner circle if you're not willing to step up and tell me no sometimes. And you say, well, that's me. No, I don't. I, I don't get it right all the time and I don't want somebody wiping my butt at 39 years old. Somebody say yes to that. Yeah. At some point, you got to learn how to do it. And in order to learn how to do it, iron sharpens iron as a friend sharpens a friend. And I always say this, iron doesn't sharpen itself through kumbaya. It sharpens itself sometimes through friction. You know what I tell people that are arguing? They're like, we're arguing all the time. We shouldn't be together. Wait, wait, wait a minute. When did that become the measure? Because I found this to be truth. I don't argue about things I don't care about. I would not argue with you over the color of the sky. 
You know, if you want to come in and you want to talk about all these other things, I don't argue over certain things in the scripture. You know, when people come up and they want to get in these deep metaphorical, I love conversations where we're growing and something applicable comes out of it. But when we're just, and that's why I won't tell you my two adventure stories because I don't want to mess you up. The thing is, it's like, hey, listen, I, I, I love deep-rooted conversations, but I love corrective and instructive conversation. I don't like this fluff on I know more than you know. Does that make sense? Like if you walked into a room and there were five men standing in there flexing and looking at each other, what would you do? Come on, talk to me. What would you do? Leave. Leave. Because if I flex, they're going to get jealous. And I'm just kidding. You know, you leave. It's just weird. No, that doesn't happen. But, but if, they, if they were just like, well, ooh, 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 ooh. you ever been to the gym when the guy's yelling in the back? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, they lift up weight and everybody in the gym knows it. It's like, they're, now there was one time I was the guy yelling in the back. And it was because we went to the gym and I hadn't been to the gym in years and I decided to do crunches that I hadn't done in years and my stomach said no and locked up like a rock. And I was flopping in the back like a fish on the ground, screaming for my wife to get off the treadmill and come, to which I saw her on the treadmill, look at me out of the corner of her eye and look right back. (laughs) I don't know that guy. All right. It wasn't muscles popping. It was veins. All right. Like it was giving up. The thing is this is, hey, we, I think that happens. You know, unbelievers come into the church and we're like, look at us. Oh, yeah. Look at our programs. Look at our buildings. Look at the things we can do. I'm going to tell you this right now. When I'm weak and I'm broken, I don't need to hear all the things you can do. I just need to hear there's hope that I can do something beyond this moment. And when an unbeliever walks through the door, they don't need to see how flashy and big and all this. Now, God's blessed us. Would you agree with that? Yes. I think this, beautiful, this building is beautiful inside. Don't get me wrong. All right, but the thing is, it's like, I don't want to come in here and say, let's look at our building. I want, to, I want to come in here and say, hey, let talk to me. My name's Josh. This is what I am. Who are you? You know, hey, this is God. This is who he is. Who are you? Who is he to you? Because somebody needs to know today that if they come in broken, um, that they fit into this gym. That this isn't a place for the buff people. This is the place for the people who know they need to get better. You know, I'll be honest with you. We used to go, and, and thankfully that story that I just told you about was 1 a.m. at night, and, and literally there was only one other person in the gym, and it was a person that worked there. Literally, Jordan walked up to him and said, I bet this happens to you all the time. And he goes, no, no, this has never happened. <laughs> I was screaming for water, barrel crawling, because I saw a water fountain on the other side of the gym, and I thought to myself, if I could just get there, I would live. It was bad. The truth is this, like at that moment, I just needed somebody to come sit beside me, give me a cup of water, let me get my, I didn't need somebody to like browbeat me and nobody did. But the truth is, is I don't need a gym for the advanced. I need sometimes a gym for the beginner. I I don't need to walk into a CrossFit right now. You know, if I walked into a CrossFit right now, I'm scared some of them would mistake me to be the ball they're supposed to throw around. Otherwise, have you seen them? They're going, they're crunching. I'm not that person. But you know what I do need? I need somebody that looks at me and says, let's do a 10-minute walk today. Let's just go outside. Let's shoot some basketball. Let's do this. You know why? Because my journey doesn't need to see where you are. My journey needs to see where God is with me right now. I got a phone call this week from somebody who, who was in a broken place, and they happened to call on my broken place day. It was a God moment because I literally had Wade sitting in my office talking to me about what was going on in my life. And, and, 
And I'm just pouring out to him, bawling my eyes out and dragging myself out to go do another showing. And, and I went and did that showing and, and um, I didn't want to come back. I was, I was just done. You know what I mean? You ever get there on that day, you're just done. My wife even called and said, do you want to go to lunch? And, 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 and I almost said, yes, where are you going? And all of a sudden I felt something inside of me say, you need to go back to the church. You need to get back over there. So I told her, I said, no. I told Wade and made Wade a promise that I'd show back up. I'm going to the church. I walk in the door to hear Libby say, hey, hold on, hold on. He just walked in. And all of a sudden I get on the phone and somebody pours out and it doesn't matter who, doesn't matter what. And I'm sitting there and I, I want to give them verses because I'm, I'm their pastor and I'm supposed to have the right words to say. But in that moment, it would have been totally fake for me to say, you know, John 3.16 or all these other Philippians 4.13 because Philippians 4.13 isn't my anthem in my mind in that moment. So all I can get to say is this. I'm just going to tell you that I know God's in this moment, not just for you, but for me. Because my this was happening today and my mind was here today and I wanted to do this today and actually brought preparation to accomplish it. And all of a sudden something tells me to go back to the church, which now I know is the discernment and calling of the Holy Spirit. To walk in the door at that exact time, you're going to be on the phone. And what I'm trying to speak to you today, you're speaking back. I have purpose and so do you. And let's see what God can do. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't want to disclose anything, but I'm telling you this right now. It's in those moments that you don't need to be Superman. It's in that moment that we realize I am so glad that there is a superhero story in our lives, a superhero story in our world. And it's not me that has to fly around like Captain America. We have a savior. We have a champion. We have a warrior. We have a conqueror. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the sheep gate and he is sitting by God. And if we want to get to God, guess what? Anybody can go to him. And as I look at that, I realize that, hey, in order for us to get to where we need to be, sometimes we got to say, hey, I built my house. But let's go build a wall so somebody else can build one too. Hey, I'm successful in whatever way. And you fill in the blank. Let's use that success so somebody can build something too. And he built the wall across from his house. I love it. Church, listen to me. I hope today you can kind of see how cool the Bible can be. How you don't just take something for granted. Don't just skip it. Something's in there for you. If you are here today and you're lost and you're broken, come through that sheep gate, go to Jesus Christ. If your marriage is on the rock, take it to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to come to an altar, give it to Jesus and get up and get better. Because here's the truth. From they started at the sheep gate, there's about 38 verses of work before they get to the end of building to the sheep gate. And then even at that point, they'd only built the wall halfway up. There was still more work to do. When we say start with Jesus, we're not saying come pray and it's all going to get better. We're saying come give it to God and then take up the word of God, apply it, live it, practice it, live on his promises, practice his premises and watch God do the work. And one day you'll stand when the enemy's showing up mad as a wet hen, recognizing that you actually did what you said you were going to do. And you'll realize that the work was worth it and we need to start somewhere. And you got to sometimes start in a place of surrender saying, I cannot do this. And that's why there's a sheep gate. For others of it, stop doing things halfway. Stop being half-heartedly into your marriage and expecting for it to work. Stop waiting on him or her to bridge the gap and do the work that you can do. Stop, stop half-hearted into your ministry. Stop half-hearted witnessing to others. Do the work you can do, but do it well.
set the bars, install the bolts, set, set the beams in the doors, get it, get it set. And then lastly, hey, let's do it together. Stop behind to be a lone ranger and figure this out on your own. You can't. You'll drown right here. But next to me and next to you and next to them should be another champion of God doing the work that they're called to. You want to change your view of the world? Start praying for the success of the people around you as much as you're praying for yours. Stop praying for God to move in their lives as much as you're asking him to move in yours. But focus on what he's called you to, knowing that as each person does their work, the hedge gets set, the enemy gets trapped, the enemy gets blocked out, and the work of God gets accomplished. Is there anybody else in the room that says, God, with, with your help and your witness, I want to see my home, my community, my life rebuilt in ways that I never dreamed possible. Is there anybody in the room like that? Slip a hand up in the air. Hey, right, anybody else say that you, you want to look around, maybe find somebody near you right now, whether it's your daughter, whether it's your husband, whether it's your wife, whether it's a complete stranger, and look at them and say, let's do this together. Let's do it. Matter of fact, do that. Find somebody. Go for it. Find somebody. Let's do this together. Together, together. And not just for my house. I like how Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We always quote that verse, but we never go on to say that Josh didn't just serve the Lord in his home. He led a nation. I'm gonna tell you right now, we need some, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, but we need some other people that says, but outside my house, I'll build a wall. I mean, we need parents that say, I'm in this with you. I know, I know this some days that you have bad mom days and bad dad days. Hey, I, I, husband's wife, I, we're in this with you. We know that marriage isn't perfect. We're not gonna pretend to have all the answers. We're not gonna stand up here and pretend that Jordan and I have the perfect marriage. We don't. We're not gonna stand up here and give you fluff. We're gonna stand up here and give you truth, but we just want you to know we're in this with you. We wanna see God move in your home. We're praying over 45 men that in four days will walk into a cabin, not that they will have fun, but that they will encounter God in a way that they've never encountered him before so that when we send them home, you'll have a prince, you'll have a champion, you'll have a warrior that will fight on behalf of the name of God and rebuke the enemy as he comes against you and your children. We're praying for a movement, not an experience. That's what we told our praise team today. We are not here to create experiences for people. We are here to create encounters with an almighty God. We're here to bring you in so that you can see him and know him and know that he's not in here. So looking at a progress report of how you did this week before he decides to move, we want you to know that God accepts the F student just as much as he takes the A student and he loves them equally and gives them opportunity and tries to grow them from where they are. He's the sheep gate. Let's set the bolts. Let's set the bars. Let's set the beams and let's build the wall. Let's do it. Let's get out there. Let's go. We cannot get focused on me. It's got to be we. In Jesus' name, amen.